Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to The Laverne Cox Show, a production of Shondaland Audio, in partnership with iHeartRadio. No notes. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> Baby, no notes. Fuck yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, work. Uh, I did that. I did that. And work. I know I did that because Jennifer Holiday looked at me and said, I sat there and cried when I watched you sing that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Laverne Cox Show. My name is Laverne Cox. I'm so excited about today's conversation. Alex Newell is a dear friend of mine who I haven't gotten to sit down and chat with in a really long time. So this will partly be a catch up. And I'm also a tremendous, tremendous fan. We met at the GLAAD Awards in 2014. Alex came up to me and just introduced themselves and was so sweet. And I was aware of their work, of course. And then somehow, some way, a video of Alex singing with the Gay Men's Chorus of Boston popped up on my YouTube feed. And then I became utterly obsessed with Alex and Alex's insane voice, insane vocals, like amazing, amazing, amazing voice. I really believe Alex Newell is one of the best singers working today. And I'm just so happy for Alex and so proud of Alex. And we're getting into all of that today. So, for those of you who don't know, Alex Newell first grabbed our attention on the small screen in Fox's critically acclaimed series Glee as transgender student Wade Unique Adams. They made history this year as the first non-binary identifying actor to be nominated for a Best Featured Actor Tony Award and went on to win that Tony Award for their amazing performance in the Broadway musical Shut. I mean, standing ovations, girl, every single night. Alex was first seen on Broadway in 2017 in the revival of Once on This Island and was a fan favorite in the hit TV show Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which garnered Alex a Critics' Choice Award nomination. 
please enjoy my conversation with the one and only Alex Newell. This episode was recorded prior to the SAG after strike. Hello, Alex Newell. Welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling today, girl? I'm great. How are you, my dear? I'm good. And I'm really, really excited to be chatting with you. So I saw Shucked last week, finally, and you were amazing. You just won a Tony and your Tony Award winning acceptance speech. I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up right now. <laughs> it's super strange because, one, I hate a prepared speech. And so I was just, I wanted to be in the moment. And I just wanted to let mm-hmm. life be what life was in that moment and feel everything. Because yeah. even up until my name was called, it could have been anybody's. Yeah. It could have been anybody's. And I mean that truly when I say that I truly was not supposed to be up there. I wasn't supposed to win this. Um, mm-hmm. The path to this wasn't conventional. It wasn't the way that I envisioned it was going to be. And then on top of that, being who I am and what I am that walks this earth each day, there's not always space for me. And to have to carve that space out was even bigger in that moment because it did actually happen. Yeah, I think that's why it's so emotional for me. I've obviously, we've been friends for years and I've been a fan for years. And I just... For me, it's just a testimony to what talent, that your talent is just so big that it transcends all of the supposed limitations. Mm -hmm. The talent is so undeniable that you've just transcended. And that is like part of why I love you so much, part of why I think your story is so insanely inspiring. And I'm just so happy and excited. And it was just, it was history. There was another gender nonconforming actor, um, Jay from Unlike Unlike It Hot, Hot, who also won a Tony that night. But in your speech, you, because when I remember we had lunch in 2015 at Soho House in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles, and I was shocked when you told me that you applied to all these conservatories and did not get into any one of them. And Not a one. I just, can you talk to me about that process? I mean, this voice that you have, this talent that, that is, it's the voice, but it's the presence. To me, it seems like it would always be undeniable. What was that experience like for you not getting accepted anywhere with this talent? Back then, it was completely disheartening because you are told to your face how talented you are and you are working as a a professional actor at the time. And I was truly, literally on glee at the same time. And it's just like, it made sense to get into these schools because I was quite literally already successful, but there was something about not getting in that I was just like, am I not talented? Am I not good enough? Am I not? And then now being older, I know that it had nothing to do with that. It was, where do we put this kid? But back then, when you're 17, 18 years old, you're just like, I'm not talented. I'm literally untalented. And I think that's a really interesting thing to sort of bookmark or to note that like so much of it is about how can we cast? Yes. So much of a getting into a school is like, who can we cast in the spring you know, musical, in the fall musical? Yes. And 
you should have been playing Effie and you should have been doing what you're doing now, but they didn't have the vision for that. So at the same time, you were doing the Glee project. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you submitted a video through MySpace, girl, MySpace. Take us back to submitting an audition tape. And how old were you when Glee project happened? I was, when I did that tape, you know, my mother, when I was younger, I was held back twice. So I was already older than everyone in my class, no matter what. 9-11 9-11 happened. Mother's like, you're in the fourth grade. Let's go back to third grade. And I was just like, okay, sure. And then we changed schools. The school I started at, they started at the fifth grade, even though I was in sixth grade. She was like, I guess you're going back to fifth grade. It won't hurt. And I was just like, ah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that tape the beginning of my junior year in high school. So you would have been 16 or 17? I was 18. You were 18. I was 18 because you'd be 18 to submit. So you were 18. What did you sing on your audition tape? Do you remember? I sang, and I am telling you, in our auditorium, (laughs) in my school uniform, polo khakis, center stage, and just screaming the song to the backest of rows. And, you know, it's strange because that video went viral, Mm -hmm. essentially, at that time. It was because you could upload your submissions onto the MySpace, dear God, it was so long ago. And people would watch them and vote on them. And I got over like a million likes and views and all of that things. And to be honest, I was this close, like very, very close to not have been on the Glee Project at all because when I got the confirmation email about coming out to audition and be called back for this show, I thought it was a scam. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it just it, it was just so out of the blue. It was just like, pop, hey, we saw your online submission. We want you to fly out to Los Angeles. We'll pay for it. The hotel will pay for it. Please confirm. And I was like, that's a scam. So I deleted it. But then they kept pestering me. (laughs) They kept following (laughs) up. And I was just like, well, clearly this is kind of real. (laughs) Okay. Thank God you went. Hello. Yes. And then you didn't win the Glee Project, which is fascinating. No, I lost. They were so moved by the talent that they were like, let's give you a few episodes. And the few episodes turned into three seasons. The season three, four, five, and six. Yeah. Four seasons. Four seasons on Glee, which was life-changing. The world got to know you, got to know Unique. There was mm-hmm. this gender non-conforming trans character on primetime television. It was so groundbreaking in so many incredible ways. And most of us who know you know that. But I want to go back a little bit because in your speech at the Tonys, you mentioned your mom was there mm-hmm. sitting next to you. And I remember, I think I met your mom at Once on this Island premiere. Yes, opening night. So your mom is there and you grew up in the church in Lynn, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And you were this church-going kid who was always you, right? And with this voice. And can you talk a little bit about your journey in the church, your mother, and then your gender nonconformity? Because I don't know if I've really heard you. Maybe you've talked about this, but girl, what's the tea? (laughs) Well, one thing about my mother always gave me space to be whoever the hell I wanted to be. She always led with quite literally as the Bible teaches you to lead with love and to have compassion and to love your neighbor as your own self. And I'm a shady bitch most days, but that is where my gaze of life is. It's that of love. And the G-A-Z-E of life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So my mother growing up in church, like 
church for my family was that of community. I lived in predominantly white schools all my life, but like church was community. Like I call my mom's friends there, all of my aunts and uncles. Like those are my family members, not just church members that I know. So your church was black church, right? Just to be clear, I remember yes. even though the schools were predominantly white schools. Yes. Okay. Very and good. so they're all of my aunts and my uncles and like true family members. We don't just see each other on Sunday. We saw each other through the week. They would babysit me. So that was my relationship. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until our pastor had died, uh, Reverend Murray, who was, <laughs> I love that man. If I le- asked for a dollar, he would give me a dollar. I was a spoiled, rotten child. But so he passed away and we got a new pastor. And, you know, with every change of regime, everybody has their own ideologies and their own feelings and how they interpret the Bible. And as I would get older, I would see how this one pastor would treat me as I came out more and was more expressive. And then he would bring in people that would have that same ideology that my lifestyle was wrong. Something was wrong with me. I was sinning, all of that. And specifically you or just in general? It was, it, well, there wasn't anyone else like me at church. So it was pointed. <laughs> Ooh, it was pointed. And I remember one time, because um, everyone loved me at that church. There were two specific moments. One time, one of the associate pastors got in the pulpit and was towing the line of uh, homosexuality is a sin and they were going to hell. And I remember no one in the church made a peep. They didn't say amen. They didn't agree with it. They just said. Mm. (laughs) And I think he was reprimanded Mm. by some of the elders in the church and said that we don't do that here. That's something we don't do. So, and my mother said that she had a private conversation with the pastor at that time. And, you know, when I sing, the Holy Ghost shows up. That's my ministry. And I know that well about me. Now, when did you start singing in church and singing in the choir? I'm assuming there were solos early on. Yeah, there were always solos. I was from the time that I could speak when I was two. And, you know, I thought that people hated how I sounded because they kept crying. And every time I would sing, everyone was sobbing their eyes out. And I was just like, I sound awful. But I just realized as I got older that that was their way of showing how much they loved it. And I helped them Mm. have this cathartic moment and brought them closer to God while singing. So your first experience is singing. Just to pause on your first experience is singing two years old. I know the State Fair story, which is gorgeous. You you saw somebody on stage at the State Fair and went up, you know, left your mom and went up on stage and like started singing. That's genius. And so your first experience is singing in church. People were crying. Yeah. Because they're so moved by the beauty of of the voice. So once you realized that you gave people the Holy Ghost and people saw God through you Mm -hmm. and you were able to process that, how did that change your life to understand that that it was a gift or did you understand that it was a gift? How was like, I didn't, I never knew it was a gift. And sometimes I think that's the best to not take it for granted. So you're just using it in its purest sense. Like I I loved singing. I still love singing. And so for me, mm-hmm. it was joy. And I loved getting to do what I knew how to do so well. Mm-hmm. And my gift giving was actually me receiving it as well. Mm-hmm. I too got to experience my gift. In that sense. That's 
That's incredible. That's incredible. So was there a certain point before you auditioning for Glee Project or was there a point when you were like, oh, maybe I got something. Maybe I'm slaying. Maybe I'm turning it. Because I mean, the, even the repertoire, even the boldness as a 16, 17, 18 year old to take on Effie's singing, to take on these roles. This song. <laughs> this is the biggest. I mean, Effie is like the biggest probably most difficult Broadway role besides Phantom, right? Yeah. Um, Phantom of the Opera to sing. And, and so to like the audacity. I mean, so girl, you you had to know something just to even like... I, well, I did. Or did it, someone tell you, girl, you should sing Effie? No, I just had the gumption. Wow. I just had the gall and the gumption and the audacity. <laughs> I really did. Wow. I heard the song years prior on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> where Will is lip syncing <laughs> and I'm telling you and I was like what's that song and then I'm down this rabbit hole of Jennifer Holiday and Dreamgirls and Uh-oh. just a whole new world of diaspora is in front of me how old were you I couldn't have been more than like 11 or 12 oh my god so for Alex Newell to discover Jennifer Holiday and Dreamgirls at 11 years old feels like a really... It's life-changing. <laughs> yeah, a pivotal, life-changing moment. Yes, and I, I, and that's, if there is one musical that I know from bookend to bookend, it is Dreamgirls. I know everything about it. And then when the movie came out on Christmas Day that year, I said, we're going. I said, forget about Christmas. We're going to the movie theater immediately. Post-haste, darling. We have to see yeah. the film. I love, love, love this. But then it's on top of that. It's like Jennifer Holliday, Nell Carter, even Dame Billy Porter, all of these voices that I've looked up to. That's when the awakening of like wanting to do theater, wanting to sing professionally. I think that's when I thought that I had the gumption. I was like, if they can do it, so can I. Let's get this ball rolling. Amazing. So I love that you mentioned Nell Carter. And it's so funny. I was, I remember I was sharing a video of you singing um, um, Random Black Girl. Uh-huh. And my makeup, De- you know Deja, this is years Deja, ago. Yes. And we, Deja was like, I hear Nell Car- Nell Carter in there. And, I, and Nell Carter is from my hometown of Mobile, Alabama. I'm a huge Nell Carter fan. And I hear Nell in your voice. And so I just love, I mean, every the Jennifer Holiday, you know, references are clear, but the Nell Carter. Yes. Twang, the twang like, in the nasal. Honey. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Such a beautiful sound that Nell Carter had. I remember watching the PBS special of Eight Misbehaving. And that's what really made me want to do musical theater. Uh, and then my mother was just like, oh, you know, I went to high school with her. <laughs> I said, huh? Your mother went to high school with Nell Carter? She was a senior when my mother was coming in as a freshman. And she, is your mother from Alabama? Or Yeah, my, both of my parents are from Alabama. My mother's from Birmingham and my father's from Tuscaloosa. Girl, I did not... <laughs> you didn't know that? I did not know this. I'm, you know, I'm from Mobile. Yes. Mark. Girl. I know, but I, when my father died, uh, my father died when I was six, my mother would send me to Alabama each and every summer. So it, from the time that I was, that's another thing, being in church in the South versus being in church in the city, eh, two different things. <laughs> but um, oh, yes. each and every year, just in Cottondale, Alabama, each summer from the time that I was like oh, my God. I six never, until I was like 17. I never, ever knew this. And what I, what I think is important to just also just underline is how... Like, I was a person who grew up with a lot of shame and trauma, Mm. and I did not feel that unconditional love from my mom. And it sounds like you had it always, and not only from her, but from your church community, Mm -hmm. the audacity for them to say, we don't do that here. We're not... 
that is so utterly transformative. And so then you can go in the, into the world with a sense of worthiness. You can go into the world as a, as, as a gender nonconforming person with a sense of worthiness that you have a right to be here. Obviously, there's yeah. talent too, but even beyond the talent, a lot of people have talent, but don't have that sense of worthiness. And so this makes the difference in terms of entering the world. And I just always want to emphasize that to like parents to, and you can get that later. If you didn't have that as a child, you can, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Yes. But huh. for you to be your age and, e- and even in your twenties with the success that you had on Glee and then Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist and then your Broadway debut and now being, I believe you're 30. How do you disclose your age? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just 30. <laughs> you're just 30. Okay. Um, it's so you're 30 years old and just won on your first Tony Award. That is yes. incredible. That is yeah. fucking incredible. <laughs> this is a good time to take a little break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. So love from the family, love from the community. So you had not studied voice formally is what I've read before the Glee Project. You were just singing in church, in choirs, in school. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a video of you. You have like a little scarf. You're wearing a suit. You're super young. Do you know how old you were in that video? You sing I'm Changing. Uh I was most likely 18, yeah. So you're 18, and it, what, is, what is fascinating to me, the voice is, is stunningly beautiful, but if you build a song, so without any vocal training, you understood how to start 
quietly and to build a song. And then there's just, there was so much support and there was so much seeming technique. There was a forward placement. There was a a little bit of a twang. There's range. How do you... It's really mimicking. I I think a lot of my pre knowing what I'm doing now, spent a lot of money now to have impeccable technique. But back then, I think it was really me just trying to make it sound exactly like I remember hearing it and Mm. really pushing myself to knowing what that is. And at the time I was 18. So I was still in a private school taking concert choir with my choral teacher and him okay. really stressing all the things, even though he didn't know like the voice technique and all of that stuff, but he knew the quality that he wanted and how to structure a good song. But it is, it was making myself sound like Barbara Streisand or trying to make the growl sound the same as Jennifer Holiday, or making sure I had that nice nasally forward placement like Nell Carter, because that's how the notes come out easier. So I think it was a lot of that. And then I think the thing is to be playing around with all that without a voice teacher and not hurt yourself. Yeah. Were there moments when you would experiment and it'd be like, this doesn't feel right? Like in terms of strain, because these chords are very delicate. I never had, like, yeah, I lost my voice like any person would lose their voice. But like, I never really worried about it because it was so particular when I was younger. I can't stress it enough. When I was younger, before life and gravity hits your vocal cords and changes your voice, it was always so very easy and effortless. Like, if you think I'm singing effortlessly now, back then when I was a child and those rubber bands were rubber banding down there, it was so easy. I remember when we talked at lunch, you talked about when puberty hit and your voice, the, presumably you were assigned male at birth, um, I think we can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for most folks assigned male at birth, when puberty happens, the voice drops. Yes. So did that happen for you fully? It did not. <laughs> so <laughs> bless your heart. So, <laughs> so what was your, so there was no, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> It did not. Because mine did. So you didn't have a voice drop. And, no. And not at all? And, no. So no. What, what happened was, <laughs> um, I let's talk about it. The anatomy of my vocal box is already mutated. <laughs> okay. So that's really what it truly is. It's everything is smaller, compactor, and narrower, and mimics, not exactly, but mimics and looks like that of a female voice box. Our vocal cords. You've been scoped. Yes. We've looked at it. They're smaller, they're shorter, and there's like this little U that's normally like a wider U, but mine is an upright U that makes everything more smaller. And then I have some tissue that makes it even more narrower that is kind of mutated on top of the vocal cords. So it's like a little bump in front of the vocal cords, which makes it even smaller, so makes everything that much higher as well. A bump in front of that. So it was like the false vocal folds are smaller? Yes. Is that one? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this is so fascinating. So it's a blessing and a curse because I have to push twice as much air out. And even when I'm in my legit bag, there's always just a little bit of a hiss back there because it's literally my air just gasping out. <sighs> What's interesting to me when I move my voice, because I, you know, I, I'm a student of the voice mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very fascinated by vocal pedagogy. And my voice teacher, who is a, a male soprano, Madam Iris Siff, 
um, was a tenor and then sort of transitioned into a soprano. And what Iris says is that to form like a head voice for someone assigned male at birth who doesn't have, you know, your vocal um, structure is that for the head voice, a little bit of air has to pass through to just to make it easy. And, to make and, it easy. Yeah. But when I when my voice changed, I would give Mariah a run for her money. So there was a change, there but was it wasn't change. like a drop. Uh, no, it was not. So when it changed, I just lost whistle tones. But I heard you as an adult with whistle tones. Where's the state of your whistle tones now? Because, girl, we've heard, I've heard F above high C. I've heard G. There's literally a video of you singing, I think, a G7 on, um because there's Alex Newell vocal range videos I'm on YouTube. A lot of them have been taken down. I think I'm the one taking them down. I don't want the expectation that I'm going to be out here giving whistle tones. Work. Whistle tones are iffy, even for Mariah. She, in her prime, some days it just, you know, it wasn't there. Just doesn't come out. And that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That some days I'll wake up and I call it a healthy day because I don't have them. And then on those sad, damaged days, I'm just like, well, I guess I have whistle tones. But it is, it, it's temperamental. Like, some days my chords are too pristine to do whistle tones. They're relaxed and they're, there's no swelling anywhere. There's, they're just there. So for you, a whistle is about a little bit of swelling. Your whistle for me, that on the Tonys, when you're saying <sighs> mama will provide on the Tonys, but, it's so big. There's such a, it's such a big sound. That was just, I think I was mm-hmm. so, I, by the time I did <laughs> that Tony performance, I was on so much steroids I was on Xanax. I was just, Mm. I was, I had just been thrown all through the ringer throughout that entire show where it felt like I was carrying this show on my back. I was doing all the press. I was doing all the shows. I wasn't calling out. I was running around doing Broadway in the park, Broadway in the alley, Broadway Barts, Broadway Bears, (laughs) like (laughs) Broadway under the stars, Broadway, Broadway. I was just like, I can't do anymore. And zero. Zero award. I wasn't nominated for a Tony. I wasn't nominated for a drama desk. I wasn't nominated for many things that season. And mm-hmm. it was just like, all right, let's just get on the stage and sing for grandma. <laughs> and sing for the gods, honey. You you sang for the gods, honey. You wore it out, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just so tired. And that whistle mm-hmm. tone was kind of just like my last <laughs> hurrah. I was just like, well, I'm singing. Let's go. <laughs> And just keep going. Yes, bitch. Um, you did it in performances too. There were videos of Mama yes. Will Provide that, where you did it in performances as well. And it's just, it's beautiful. So we talked last week about um, Shucked versus Once on This Island, which was written for someone else. And obviously mm-hmm. Lulu was written expressly for you. So that mm-hmm. run, it sounds like a, a Once on This Island was a, was a, that was a strenuous number for you. Or is it just not getting rest. It was everything. All of that. It was not getting enough rest. Being in my 20s and thinking that I could go out and party and then come and do my show the very next day for matinee. It was the sand. Being in that sand all the time and just breathing it in and constantly getting sick and fighting and never being able to get truly well. Um, Or Mm. the animals and the pet dander (laughs) that was always around. Or, you know, there was a myriad of things that was just like, fighting me at every juncture i was oh like i got bronchitis four times during that run and i was just like is this where i die bronchitis when you have to sing that number like yes that is not and it girl. was written for someone else and on top of that it's the expectation of the two great 
fucking women that came before me to do that role. I'm singing Keisha Lewis's song that Lilius White took up a whole half step and sang down. And so that expectation of walking into work. I think you added a run, though, that they didn't do. I think that. Yes. That's that's an Alex Newell. Yeah, that was me. That was the one stamp that I had (laughs) because I was like, what vocal health do I have to do this glissando up seamlessly? Because there might not be a day that it says, whoa, or whoa. So I said, how can I maneuver this? And I know for me that I will get up to that F. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I mean, singing a high note as part of a scale is, a lot is easier often easier than, than a glissando. Just hitting. Yeah, and a glissando. Which is stupid because I do a glissando in my song now at the very end. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between the run? Because as far as I know, you always hit the run and mom will provide. Oh, constant. But the glissando and, and independently owned is more, it's trickier for you. Do you know why that that is for you? There are two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, it's I have just come out of the phrase of these long held notes. I don't want you all ever I'm independently owned and celebrated. And there's not really breath there. So by the time I get Mm -hmm. to, and I live my life, I'm already at my breath capacity. Mm. And the other thing is I can't say musically, and I live my life. Because that's that's a break. Or I can't do, and I live my life. I wish I could, but that breath makes it less impressive. And it just, yeah. So the glissando is part of a bigger phrase that's, yep. live my life. But then you have to hold, you have to hold the life for two beats before you can slide up. Because the chord underneath the piano hasn't changed yet. Wow. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because if you just go straight to the Cassando, you sound flat. <laughs> Girl. Woo. Okay. Wow. So like, at what point did you start working with vocal coaches and cultivating with someone the gift? You know, how did that change your voice? How did that change your understanding of singing when you started actually taking voice lessons? Um, so I have a great voice coach right now, Mike Ruckles. Brilliant. He really helped me through once in this island because I kept hitting the wall. I kept hitting the wall and I was just like, I can't make it. I'm not making it. And, you know, I was young and stupid and I was never calling out. <laughs> so he, he looked at me one day and said, you're working too hard. You are out here singing far too hard. Less. Give less and mm-hmm. then take a step back. You don't have to be impressive every single show. Mm-hmm. Cause what you're doing in itself is already impressive. Mm. Mm. So it's the it's the I need to let them know, you know, every single night and learning how to what Leontine Price, my operatic idol, says: sing on your interest, not your capital. Yes. So you learned to sing on your interests, not your capital, so that you could have something left over. And what was interesting about last week's performance of Independently Owned, so I've, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with you singing Independently Owned. So uh, we have the cast recording that's on YouTube when you're um, uh-huh. in the recording studio where you bitch. 
work. It's just <laughs> iconic. We had the voice. Oh, girl, you slay the voice. You, you should get an Emmy nomination for that. Hello. <laughs> we need to get her in EGOT. Um, slay that. And it, the growls and the grunts, right? And then we heard her at the Tonys. And then there's other videos of, you know, bootleg or people mm-hmm. who recorded things from the audience or whatever. And then what was so beautiful for me last week, hearing you, was I felt you singing on your interest. And there was, there was something so beautiful that the, the purity of your voice, you have this growl and there's a maturity that the voice has, but there's still this pure soprano, highly placed <laughs> sound that is gorgeous. And, that, and that you, you did the slide because you'll do the, that glissando, you'll do it, you do it on the recording, you slide up and then growl at the top of it, I, I believe, if I'm going and you growl and work. But last week, there what you the slide happened, but there was less of a growl. And so there was what was beautiful about it is that the pure pureness of the tone at the top, right? Mm-hmm. And in, maybe it was you like saying, I'm not going to give everything tonight. But it was also what I loved as just a, a fan of your voice and a fan of just beautiful singing is that tone. There's a beautiful soprano sound that you have that I'm, you know, I want you to sing opera. <laughs> Um, we've talked about this, but I like we got to hear that beautiful sound and in the duets as well. And the acting mm. is so beautiful in your performance as well. And there's just so much heart and you're hilarious. And it's just beautiful to watch the growth that you've had as, as an actor from Glee, Once on This Island, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which you were actually were wonderful. You got a Critics Choice nomination for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Beautiful acting on that show. Mm-hmm. And and just to see the growth as also as an actor is really wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship for you as a musical theater artist, building mm-hmm. the character into song? Like musical theater is like you're telling the story in so many different ways with the voice Mm -hmm. with characterization and the physicality. Lulu has a very specific physicality that's gorgeous. That she does. (laughs) So, you know, for me, it's always the ground up. I had someone ask me when I was doing a Christmas carol, how do you get into character? And I say, I think I start by quite literally molding how they walk. Mm. How do they hold themselves when they're just walking? Mm -hmm. If I have the mindset of how they're walking, I'm in it. And so that's why Lulu's walk is so distinct. Like anytime I step foot on that stage, that bitch is stomping because she has someplace to go. And, you know, the costume helps with the corset, but I want the singing and the acting to be so seamless. I want it to be second nature. I don't want it to be like, I'm talking now and now I'm going to sing. I want it to be, oh, I'm happy to sing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a great analysis. There's a wonderful channel called Black Music Archive, where they do an analysis of your independently owned. I don't know if you've seen that video. And Malik talks about how it's written kind of in your speaking voice. It sort of mm-hmm. starts there. So when you start, it's coming out of dialogue. And then you're kind of, it's like talk singing, but your talk singing is very, it's way higher than a lot of people's. Uh, <laughs> And so it sort of comes out of that. So it's beautiful to have something written for you. Like, can you talk a little bit about like the evolution of Independently Owned in terms of when you got the role and how the song changed or did it? Well, the ending, the whole back half of the song was completely written for me. The first half of the song, it like it was already written 
it was the same. It was like, I'll never change who I've always been. W-O-M-A-N. I'm independently owned and celebrated. I'm independently owned. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I live my life independently. Button. Wow. That's how the song went. <laughs> and it said, Button. And we did our out-of-town tryout, and they heard me sing it, and they said, we need more. <laughs> well, because Miss Thing can bring more. I mean, this yes. is Alex Newell, darling. We need to have a climax. We need to have a modulation. And our, because <laughs> modulated was always there. The joke was always there. But then our music director and orchestrator, Jason Howard, was just like, I just, let's just keep. And so we stood in the room and like literally just were playing and bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. And he would just play mm. chords. And, you know, we wanted bigger. There was one time that one version of the song, and I was like, Jason, I literally cannot sing that. <laughs> the list, it wasn't just modulated, celebrated, da-da-da-da. It was da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are back. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like, okay, I have audio that I want to share with you. Okay. I sang that. Alex is nodding. I sang that. <laughs> this is the thing. I wanted to listen with you. So the first one was, I think you were probably 18 or so. It was that yes. one with the with the little scarf. Yes. And then the second one was with the Boston Gay Men's Course from 2014. So you were been God. 22. 22, yes. And then the last one was last year when you were 29, I guess, at Broadway, Juneteenth, 2022. So a decade of you singing I Am Changing and there's more versions on, on, on the internet. So your first reaction is like, I sang that. That's, so you hear this because <laughs> like oftentimes people are like, oh, they ha- may have notes or they might, you know, be like, oh, you know, no. I could have done this better. <laughs> You're like, no. I, I... No notes. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> Baby, no notes. Fuck yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, work. Uh, I did that. I did that. Work. And I know I did that because Jennifer Holiday looked at me and said, I sat there and cried when I watched you sing that. You did me so proud. I'm so thankful for that. She came to see Chuck and she told me this in person. She told me, she called me after it, and but she told me to me in person. She said, you honored me and made it your own. And I love that about you. Uh, You will pay homage to those that have come before you and still have your own twist on what was there. And that's how I want to do any song that's already iconic. But also- that song has meant so much for me my entire life. I mean, that's why it's been over a decade that I've been singing it. Not hair and makeup here. Hold on. <laughs> oh. I'm doing the DNC and I'm accepting my, my final award. <laughs> oh, work. Okay, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but can you reflect on 
the 18-year-old you, the 22-year-old you, the voice that you heard then, right? And then the difference in the maturity. I mean, you sound like a grown woman in 2022, <laughs> like a grown woman. Because I am grown now. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you slayed all of them? No, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, no 18-year-old should be singing and changing. But you did. And you slayed it. <laughs> There's so much that was added to that number that you gave us. I think that's when I listened to all three of them back to back. It's like, this bitch has been through some stuff that she is bringing in a whole new way. Uh, That's what I hear. But what do you hear when you listen to the three versions? Well, I hear the 100% innocence and purity that was there back in 2014 or however long ago I was singing the little song. I knew none of those words I was singing. I know what that song was about. Back then, I do now know what that song is about because life is a bitch and it comes hard and you figure some shit out. But back then, it was truly just I liked singing the song and that was I was having fun while singing it. And now I get to have my life lessons and have fun singing the song. Mm. And I still can't wait to sing it eight shows a week. Yeah. How are we manifesting Effie for you? I mean, I, I know it's been on your bucket list forever. Yes. So it's going to happen. It, it, we've been manif- You've been manifesting it your whole life and it will, I know it will happen on God's time, not our time. Oh, Alex Newell, the Tony Award winning Outer Circle Critics Drama Desk Award winning. Oh my God. They just handed me everything this time. They handed me nothing the last time. This time they said, take it off. So... What's next? What's the dream now? I mean, a vacation, <laughs> a well deserved <laughs> vacation. I've mm. never, well, I took my first vacation last year for my 30th birthday, and it was only for four days. Mm. So, okay, it's time. I, but we sit and we talk about all the amazing things I've done. I've never gotten to take a break. <laughs> mm. I've constantly been working nonstop and I'm very blessed and fortunate that I had this opportunity to do such but it is time to take a step back and like actually Mm -hmm. appreciate all the hard work I've done yeah and I think what I love about there's so many things I love about you I mean I just love Pure talent excites me. Amazing singing excites me. But cultivating the talent. A lot of people are gifted and talented and have voices. But you have really cultivated and studied. And even before you had voice teachers, you studied, right? You studied now, Carter. You studied. So there's a there's different ways to study. And that's what I love. And mm-hmm. so and I remember we talking to you in 2015. I was just like, this is, it, it is a gift from God that you have. And it is, and it's rare for singers to be able to maintain their voices over decades. And this is my dream for you, that, you know, at 70, you're giving us everything that you can do. Oh, I will still be Patti LaBelle when I'm 70. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to be Patricia LaBelle. She is still out here singing the girls down. Amen. (laughs) And I still want you to sing some opera too, but you know, (laughs) if you feel so called. So to be continued with you, Alex, I love you so much. I end my podcast with the question, what else is true? It's taken from my therapy and the idea of both Mm -hmm. and. When things are rough and things are challenging in the world, as they often are, we can focus on the thing that's challenging, but we can also focus on the thing that brings us joy, that the other thing that is true, because it's always both and. So for you today, Alex Newell, what else is true? What else is true? Honesty. That's where I'm at. Honesty. I think we get 
afraid of honesty and truth a lot of times and we don't like it if it hurts and we don't like it if it's too much to hear at one time and I've lived my life in such an honest way and I try to live my life in such an honest way and sometimes it comes off shady sometimes it comes off mean but it's our truth and sometimes it's better to let that out what has been a truthful moment that you've had or an honest moment that you've had with yourself or someone else that has been maybe hard to hear or hard to say you know, I think it's asking for help a lot of times. I had to do that in the back of my mind and realize that it is actually okay to ask for help. I sing this song, Independently Owned, eight shows a week. And knowing that I've cultivated this great career of mine on my own, and a lot of that has come with struggle of trying to do it all on my own and not really wanting to do anything else after that. So, yeah. Wow. As the phone rings, we can ask for help. <laughs> we can ask for help. I love that. That is a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Alex Newell. You are a gift to the world. And I love you so much. I love you. I love you. And I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy and fucking proud. You know I'm so proud. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love you, Alex. Alex Newell. Oh, that was so wonderful watching Alex listen to themselves sing and just be in utter joy of how beautiful their sound is, how much they turned it out. It reminds me of my idol, Leontine Price. There's many, many interviews of Leontine and articles written about Leontine where she says, I just love the sound of my voice. And watching Alex listen to themselves sing, I am changing through the years. I felt Alex in something similar. Alex did not say that, but Alex was like, no notes. What's wonderful to me about that is that we can be so critical of ourselves as artists, and I'm so critical of myself, but Alex was just like, I did that. <laughs> and and also I think what's beautiful about Leontine and Alex is that they both understand it's a gift from God, that it's not even really theirs, right? That it is something that is bigger than them. And I was just thinking about Alex as a child, like opening their mouth and this beautiful, pure sound comes out. And that sound is still there. And I don't know, it feels like this metaphor for life as like we grow and mature and go through life and hopefully become better versions of ourselves. That, that purity, that light that we all have in, inside of us as children, if we can maintain that, if the voice can be a metaphor for like what we can do to maintain a certain kind of purity and, and innocence as we move through the world, even as we, you know, maybe a little weathered by life to keep that, that freshness. Leontine says that she feels the youngest and the most vibrant when she's singing, that it should be this like youthful exuberance. And Alex indeed has that. Let's all like start collectively manifesting Alex singing Effie and Dreamgirls. Like everyone within the sound of my voice, let's manifest that because we need to see Alex Newell as Effie and Dreamgirls. We need to see that.
Thank you for listening to The Laverne Cox Show. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share with everyone you know. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, aka X, and TikTok at Laverne Cox, and on Facebook at Laverne Cox for real. Until next time, stay in the love. The Laverne Cox Show is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.